0: So today, what I want to do is we're going to jump right in. This is week three of our series on what's the point. Have you ever just walked through life and been in a season in your life and you're going, I don't even understand what the point is anymore. What is the point of all this? Because here I am, God called me. I thought I was doing what God called me to do, but it doesn't look like what I thought it was going to look like. So we find ourselves in that place where we say, well, I don't even understand what the point is anymore. So we've been looking at the life of Saul out of 1 Samuel, and it's an interesting, interesting story. And we'll talk more about that. But so just to set it up on this is to understand that there's a lot of times in your life that there are pointless seasons. Anybody ever experienced a pointless season? It's like, man, it doesn't feel like it was Why? Why did I have to go through that? Why did I have to experience that? Pointless seasons oftentimes lead you to your greater mission in life. We learn things on those missions. We learn things on those journeys that we might not learn any other way. And that's the importance of recognizing that. And that's what we're gonna look like, look at in Saul's story today. I love this story, but the subject today is this. What's your excuse this time? Come on, turn to your neighbor. How many got an excuse? Tell me, you know you got one. Oh, come on. See, y'all being nice now. You know. How many times have you asked your son or your daughter to do something and they got an excuse? Come on. Anybody? Hey, wives, have you ever asked your husband to do something but they've got a good excuse? Of course. We all have excuses. So I just wrote down a couple that I found Is this. And here's a boss said, Here's one excuse. I had someone call into work saying that they're going to be late. Why? Because they were at home sleeping but dreamed they were at work so they didn't realize they needed to get up. It's pretty, pretty creative. Here's another one. My husband, this lady was saying, my husband hasn't been to the gym in over a year. One day I asked him to go back with me and he said, no, I need to lose a few pounds before I go back. Sounds familiar. Okay. And here, let me give you one more. And this is probably the greatest one. You remember that guy named Moses in the Bible, right? Y'all remember Moses? Do you remember the guy that helped him out? The other guy, Aaron, right? Who Here's his biblical excuse. It's this. Moses comes down off the mountain. The people have lost their mind and they're worshiping a golden calf, right? His excuse was simply this. Well, I threw the gold into the fire and out came a golden calf. You have to know the story excuses. We find ourselves in places in our life where we see those things and we use those things and it's something that we all deal with. But today we have to confront excuses in our lives and realize that if we're going to be who God's called us to be, we got to be able to speak truth to ourselves. People say, well, how can people be so deceived in our world today? Because they're so deceived in their own, their own selves, they don't even see their problems, they don't even see the fact that they're not living the life God called them to live. I'm talking about believers. But it's because we've come to the place where excuses are always easier to make than it is to walk in it. But honestly, it's, it is a difficult question to ask, and it's this simple question, when was the last time you made an excuse? Really? I mean, it's not rhetorical. When was the last time that you made an excuse? Can you think of that? And can I tell you why sometimes you can't think of it right off? Because you make a lot of them. So just to give you an idea of this, it's like an excuse is anytime you say, well, I would, but, right? We'll talk about that in a minute. But it's such an important thing to see. And here's the thing. It's hard to find, it's hard to locate because we don't realize we're making them sometimes until we look back in hindsight and we go, oh wow, I need to adjust some things. And that's what I want today to be, an adjustment so that you can walk fully in who God's called you to be. So if you would stand to your feet really quickly. I'm looking at the time, so we're good. I just want to, us to read the Word of God together as we honor His Word. Turn with me into the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, we've been reading in chapter 9. Love this this story. Uh, The story of Saul, just so you know, in this is an interesting story to begin with because the whole background is is that God didn't want his people to have a king. That's why he set up the judges. But Israel wanted to be like everybody else. So God sometimes says, okay, you wanted it? I'm going to let you have it. Can I just say that about the culture and the time in which we live? Is this, we have a culture that has dismissed God so much and so often we've put, pushed him back, pushed him back. We, we, we want to remember him, but we've got him on the shelf. We want to see him when we want to see him, but we don't want to be engaged with him. And we don't want him to be the Lord of our lives. And you can only push God back so far before he finally says, okay, you know what? I'm going to let you feel what it's like to not have me active in your life. And that's a lot of the reason that we're seeing what we're seeing. There's also this, is that when, when we recognize this and we stop making excuses in our lives for why we're not feeling the presence and power of God, then God will return And that's what I'm praying, because I still believe, even with everything as crazy as it is, I believe there's a great outpouring of the Spirit that's not coming, that's happening. You just need to be engaged. So let's read 1 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 through 4. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bechareth, the son of Ephiah, a Benjamite a mighty man of power, and he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Now the donkeys of Kish, his father, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, please take one of the servants with you and arise, go and look for the donkeys, what would seemingly be a pointless mission coming. Verse 4, so he passed through the mountains of Ephraim and through the land of Shalisha, and they did not find them. Then they passed through the land of Shalem, and they were not there. Then he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they did not find them. Basically, they took off, it's not going well. And they go to four different places and still nothing. So then next, they reach a place called Zaph, and it's interesting, look what happens next in verse five. When they had came to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant who was with them, "'Come, let us return, "'lest my father cease caring about the donkeys "'and become worried about us.'" See, in this moment, Saul wants to quit. In this moment, he's looking at it and he's saying, "'Okay, this is pointless, let's just go back.'" Because now dad's going to worry about me. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But thankfully, he was with somebody who said, oh, no, no, I've got another idea. And that's what we find coming down into verse 6. And he said to him, look now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he said surely comes to pass, so let us go there. Perhaps he can show us the way that we should go. Then Saul said to his servant, but look, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread and our vessels is all gone, and there is no present to bring to the man of God. What do we have? Something really relatable happens right here to all of us. There was tension, and then an excuse comes. Saul made an excuse just like we do. However, what we find today is that you can confront your excuses. As Saul made an excuse, the guy with him is offering a legitimate response. And his answer to the legitimate response was, I don't have enough. I don't have anything. That's what I want to talk about for the next few moments today. Let's pray. Father, today, thank you for your word. Thank you that you care enough about us that, Lord, as we walk through journeys that seem difficult and we don't understand all the ins and the outs, we don't comprehend why things happen the way they happen or all these different things in the seasons of life, God, I pray that today your word would give us direction, that, Lord, your word would cut to the quick of who we are. And I pray this, God, that your word would convict our hearts because we need you. And we need to be better. We need to be prepared for the season that you have us in. So, Father, I pray that today, as always, that this seed would bring back a harvest of good in each of our lives. And that, Lord, when we leave our time together today, we will leave changed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. So you may be seated, and today I want to give you three thoughts about some excuses. Just three thoughts, uh, relatively fast, that I want to share with you that I think are really important that we can take out of Scripture. Now, the story that we read about Samuel is understanding that Samuel is just a, a guy, a son who's been sent out to find donkeys. Now, we talked about that. We laughed about it and all that stuff because sometimes he was just out chasing donkeys. And all this time, he never finds anything. But if he had not gone on this particular journey that was very unfruitful, and it's or seemingly unfruitful, he might have missed the destiny that God had for him because the very prophet we're reading about was waiting on him because God had already spoken, spoken to the prophet and said to be looking for Samuel because he then anoints Samuel as the future king of Israel. So it's a really interesting story, but some, what I want you to see in this is that everybody's got a journey. Everybody's got times and seasons and things that go on in their lives that sometimes don't seem awesome. And we live in a culture in America, especially in the American church, where we feel like if something is tense in our life, if something's not going uh, in a positive direction in our mind, or it's not playing out like what we thought, or maybe it's just difficult, we think that it must not be a God season. But what I would tell you is this. A lot of times the difficult places you're walking through is God preparing you for the season that is coming. He's preparing you for the destiny that he's called you to. And it's something inside that seemingly pointless journey that's going to give you and equip you for what God has for you in your next. So we have to understand that there is power in understanding these things. So let me just start with the first key thought. Is this, in difficult seasons, if you want to find an excuse for anything, you always can. How about, you say, well, pastor, that's not a deep truth, but it's a practical one. Because we can always find an excuse. We can always find a reason not to. For, in Saul's case, the first thing out of his mouth was this, but, but I can't, but I, I don't have enough. Don't we do that all the time? It's like we feel God pressing something on our heart. Maybe the Holy Spirit has pushed us towards something to maybe have a conversation with someone or to reach out or to do something, all that something. And we start and we go, yeah, uh, but maybe I shouldn't. I, I might say the wrong thing, but, but that's what I want you to understand is sometimes we need to realize when the Holy Spirit moves us, sometimes you just need to move and you need to understand that. But so many times we are good at making an excuse. So let me ask you a question. Where have you been making an excuse? Where in your life and in your walk with God have you been making an excuse? And you say, well, pastor, I don't think that even applies to me. Then you're lying to yourself. Because all it takes is one little look around our culture and what's going on in our world today, and I can tell you right now that the church has been distracted, the church has made excuses for why they can't do something instead of doing something. So what I want you to understand is that all of us fight these battles, all of us feel these things, but the question really comes down to this, how long will you let that excuse keep you from going forward? How long will you let that excuse keep you bound? Well, pastor, I want to be free, but it will be so hard to be free. Pastor, I want to be free from this relationship that doesn't honor you. But God, what if I'm lonely? I mean, if we'd ever stop and just listen to ourselves, we'd realize how pitiful we sound. I mean, isn't it sad? It's like, God, I believe in You. And I believe in what your power is. I believe in this. And God, I know you can set me free. But what if I'm wrong? What if nobody else loves me? What if nobody else helps me? What if this? See, you've got to come to the place that you recognize we're making excuses and we have to deal with those things in our life because it's so important. So how long will you keep making excuses from what God's called you to be and what God's called you to do? There's a verse in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. You say, well, why is that particular passage so important? Because the problem is, there's gonna come a day that you don't get to make excuses anymore. Because every one of us will stand before God. And we will answer for what we did and what we didn't do. And you say, well, pastor, that doesn't sound like grace. No, it's not, it's judgment. It's like we get so hung up on hyper grace, and I love grace, come on, everybody, turn your neighbor and say, I'm thankful for grace. Come on, guys, if you're sitting next to a pretty wife, you better know that grace has got you. (laughs) Grace is wonderful and needed. Thank you, Jesus. But to X out judgment is is foolishness. Because the Bible clearly says there will be a day that we stand there and we will be judged for what we did and did not do. In other words, if God called you to something and you're not walking in it, how long will you make an excuse to not do it knowing that eventually at some point we will all stand before God and he says, why did you not do what I gifted you to do? I gave you the opportunity to walk in resources that other people couldn't walk in. But instead of sowing that and being a funnel for the resources that I gave you, you squandered it. I called you to be an evangelist. I called you to do this. I called you. I gave you a spiritual gifting. All these different things. And you say, well, pastor, I'm waiting for somebody to give me an opportunity. I'm going to tell you something like my dad told me. Because I remember when I was young, I was always like this. Dad would say, son, do you think you'll ever be a preacher? And I was like, heck no, dad, I'm not going to be a preacher. Why would I want to be a preacher? And and then I'd fall back on this. I said, well, you know, you got to have a license to preach. And he'd look at me and go, son, you do not have to have a license to preach. You just need a call from God. Basically, what I'm saying is it was an excuse, We make excuses to not do what God's called us to do. We make excuses to not come to church regularly. Well, you don't know, Pastor, I had a really busy week. You know, I I grew up up in a Pentecostal church. I can throw you some guilt right now. I'm good at it. I, I grew up in it. But the truth is, truly, that we make excuses, don't we? So, what excuses are keeping you bound? Because I could tell you, unfaithfulness will hinder your growth. It'll also hinder how you can help other people. Because we all need each other, right? We all need each other, every one of us. Because you have gifts that I don't have. I have gifts that you don't have. Together, we're better. But if we keep making excuses, we'll never get to experience that. So let me keep moving. Here's your second key thought. The excuses that we keep from moving, from keeping us from moving forward comes from three places, right? Pride, fear, and a scarcity mentality. Can I tell you right now, none of these come from God. None of these come from God. The excuses that we let keep us from moving forward comes from three places, pride, fear, and a scarcity mentality. I think a great illustration is when I was talking about the Holy Spirit this morning. There's many of us, because of the traditions we grew up in, we, we, the Holy Spirit is very unknown. And anytime somebody refers to the Holy Spirit, we have an initial, oh, wait a minute now, that's weird stuff, right? A lot of us have that. Now, if you grew up like I did, somebody says something about the Holy Spirit, so that's weird stuff, and I go, yeah, where? <laughs> Tell me about it. But the thing I want you to understand is when we come to that place, we'll be in a a place where we're saying, I'm fearful of this. That's what it is. Or pride. Well, I've seen people act crazy when they got full of the Holy Spirit. I tell people all the time, look, if if you're crazy when you got filled with the Holy Spirit, you were crazy to start with. The Holy Spirit didn't make you crazy. So we, we look at this and say, how do, we, how do we walk in this? Pride, fear, and a scarcity, scarcity mentality. So let's just look at those three really quick. Pride. In verse 5 that we were just reading, the second part of verse 5, come, let us go back or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. Pride steps in. It's easy for our ego to kick in when things aren't going good. It's like I've got to salvage this thing when it's a difficult season. We'll say things like this. You know what? It's beneath me. I deserve better than this. You ever found yourself in that place? I've been sitting on this I shouldn't have to do this. I shouldn't have to go look for donkeys. I mean, did you not hear what the Scripture said? Could you imagine being Saul if he could have read that Scripture? Here's Saul. He was the best-looking guy in the entire nation. It's like, wow, that wouldn't have helped the situation, right? It wouldn't have. But here he is, and all this is going on, and I deserve better than this. I don't need to be in this situation. How many of us have been in a season that we didn't like? And we go, this is humiliating. You see, that's where we come into pride. Because here's the thing. You're no more special than anybody else. We're all sons and daughters. When we receive Jesus, we're all sons and daughters of the King. And I'm telling you something. We have to realize the way up in the kingdom... It's being humble. Because anything we lift up will be torn down. Anything he lifts up will stay up. But we have to understand. We have to deal with it. So there's pride. What about fear? Fear is one of those things that we have to look at too. When the servant offers a viable option, what was his first response? What caused that excuse? Because here's what Paul says in verse 7. But if we go, what can we take him? The food in our sacks gone. We've got no gift to take. To, what do we have? He automatically jumps into fear mode. And it's often exactly what we do when God's pushing us. When there's tension, when he's trying to stretch us, he's trying to grow us. And we have to understand that we do the same thing that he did here. Is we kind of resist those. We make those excuses I heard somebody say one time they got a, a young preacher and he got this invitation to go speak at a very uh, substantial meeting and there would be a lot of people there and he was, and you know, and it was funny because he turned it down. And I asked him, I said, so why did you turn that down? And he started getting really super spiritual and I said, so, so the Holy Spirit told you not to go preach? I said, just help me understand. I'm not condemning it. I just want to know. I'm just kind of curious. And he finally got down to it, and what really the problem was, he said, I don't have anything to wear to something like that. I'm telling you, these are the excuses we make. And we looked at it, and said, well, that's the dumbest excuse ever. Really? Have you looked at your own life? Have you looked at some of your excuses? But it happens to all of us. We come, I don't have anything to wear. What about this? God calls you to do something. There's something to make a difference in our community. I, I don't have time. Oh, there's a, there's, a, there's a council meeting and they're voting on something really important. I don't have time to go make support known. I don't need to go stand behind the people who are, who are standing up for the rights of our people. I don't have time. To, I'm busy. Don't you know I had to work until 4.30 and all those things. I don't have time. You know what it is? They're excuses, aren't they? Truthfully, if we're being honest with ourselves, but the problem is we come to this, what will people think? We can't afford it. We can't have a, a small group. Our house, it never clean. Pastor, I'd have a small group, but my wife won't clean the house. Right? I bet she'd clean the house if somebody was coming over. And maybe that means you need to clean the house. I don't know, but we'll get off that. Or how about this? There's just not enough. Now there's been many times God's spoken to me in Tawana and said, I want you to sow this into something. And there's been often times I'm looking at it going, oh. And either sometimes, it's, it, this is why it's important to have a believer as a wife, as somebody that's so spirit-filled, is, is this, is because when, I, when I'm in a bad place or like I'm going, uh, I, th- uh, I don't think I heard God right. And then Tawana comes and goes, I think God told us, here's what I feel God say, that we're supposed to give this amount. And I'm like, going, really? Are you sure? <laughs> because that's what he told me. Are we both mishearing God? <laughs> but there's always that first thing well, yeah, but I, I, don't, I don't know that we've got enough, and all this stuff. But God, being faithful to God means getting past excuses. Because when we stop making excuses, it unleashes the unlimited potential that God has in every one of us. But we limit ourselves. So what makes us react that way? Fear. Fear of rejection, fear of failure. Fear of not being popular, fear of not being on the in crowd. (laughs) Saul was afraid that he was going to show up at the prophet and get rejected because they didn't have anything. It would be embarrassing. That's the way we read it in the scriptures. the way I read it. But here's the thing. Fear and a failure of rejection is a huge reason for the excuses that we have in our lives. And I'm telling you something. Get over it. Move past it. God's called you to greater. He's called you to bigger. And let me just tell you something really clearly. If what God's called you to isn't impossible for you to do on your own, then probably you're thinking too small or you've not allowed God to blow the vision up to his size vision. Because if you can do it on your own, you don't need God. So we need to realize there's, God's trying to push us in those directions. So we dealt with two. We dealt with Uh, pride. We've dealt with fear. What about scarcity mentality? The scarcity mentality would, would say this is we come to it and so we don't see through eyes of faith. A scarcity mentality is this. I don't have enough. There's not enough. There's not enough of anything. So I can't do something because there's not enough. We've got to get past those things. We've got to move beyond that. And here's what I like. It was the servant, the servant, not the the wealthy son, who happened to see something more important. He was the one that saw with eyes that something could be done instead of eyes that couldn't be done. The reason I want to point that out is because of the season in which we live, the culture in which we live. We are the most blessed nation. We are. I mean, even in the midst of all this nutty stuff that's going on, at the, at the bridge of a recession, of all these different things that's going on, we are still the most blessed nation. You know what the problem of being, the problem of having more than enough is that we then become entitled because we get used to having more than enough so that more than enough now is just normal. And then we raise the people behind us to come up and they've never had to fight the battles to have the freedoms to do the things that they want to do, right? To walk in the freedom that they have. So in the church, what I can tell you is what we have done is we've come into this house, come into this season where we have a mentality of this can't be done. And God's saying, no, this can be done. We look at the situation and the, 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 I was going to say the dip, it's not even a dip, the downward dive of, of morality in our culture. So what are we supposed to do about that? You stop thinking it's impossible and realizing that God can use you. We have to stop making excuses in the same way. So let me ask you a question. Do you see yourself in any of these excuses? I think it's a really good question, so what do we do? What do we do with this? And here is your last key thought, is this, no matter where you are in your journey, remember that your faith overcomes excuses. Remember that you overcome excuses with what? faith see, my excuse is simply this, is I don't know, basically. It's out of my control. I don't have the power to do this in my physical self. I, I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the resources. But here's what I want you to understand. When God calls you to something, here, it's not about your resources. It's about his resources. What does he expect from you when he calls you to faithfulness? He wants you to be faithful. He wants you to be steadfast. He wants you to do what he's called you to do and believe for bigger. And when things get difficult, you don't run away, you dig deeper and you say, I'm in this. I'm trusting God. I know that God owns a cattle of a thousand hills. If he called me to do something that's beyond me resource-wise, then I don't have to worry about it because it's not my resources. It's not my house. It's his It's his vision. It's his goal. So stop making excuses as to why you cannot and start seeing with eyes of possibility and walk in that and realize faith is so powerful. I love it that the servant saw through eyes of faith instead of scarcity and excuses. And when Saul pushes back, I love this. We didn't read this verse yet. When Saul pushes back, the servant says this in verse 8. And the servant answered Saul again and said, look, I have here in hand one-fourth of a shekel of silver. I will give that to the man of God to tell us our way. I think that would have been about, uh, if if I remember right, that's about 50 cents in that time. It'd be about $6 probably now with inflation. But anyway, but that's all they had. Listen, Saul almost missed his destiny over 50 cents. Because he was ashamed of what he actually had. And we have to move past those things. Because remember, your little faith equals a lot. What's the word of God say? That even faith the size of what? Even faith the size of mustard seed can give us with that authority if we'll trust it and understand it gives us the ability through God to be able to speak to things that are not as though they are. So what is God looking for? What is Jesus saying, wake up church? What is he, what is in that for us? He's looking for people who have the faith to stop making excuses, to stop sitting back and allowing somebody else to do everything and to get involved, get engaged with the process and say, you know what, God gave me a mouth. God gave me resources. God gave me strength. He gave me something. He's given you something. And you're, you come to the place where you say, whatever he's given me is his and I'll use it to his glory. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for a church who will really see their circumstances through eyes of faith instead of fear and anxiety and scarcity and pride. He almost missed it. And, you know, I I remember that. You remember that old song, He's Got the Whole World in His Hands? You remember that song? He's got the whole world in His hands. He's got the whole world in his hands he's got a lot of, it's a very complicated lyric he's got the whole world in his hands he's got the whole world in his hands he's got you now okay, okay you get the idea but we're saying he's got the whole world in his hands he is the creator of the universe He created everything that we see down to the smallest molecule, to the smallest atom, to all of the different things, the quanta, all these different. He created everything. Can we think for a moment that the God that created everything cannot speak to your circumstance? Wow, when we say it that way, it makes us feel kind of foolish for worrying. Do you know that the Bible that Jesus talks about worrying about not worrying like 130 times? Because he he wants you to have faith. Faith and worry can't work together. So we have to stop making excuses in those things because God's wanting us to see this. We can miss our season because of excuses. We can miss a moment. We can miss a calling because we make excuses and that does not have to be your story. And today what I'd like to do is just simply give you a challenge for this week. And the first is to answer this question. And when I say this, I want it to be that well, that you write it down. All right? Th- take it as homework. What excuses have you been making? You can look at this in many places. You can look at it in your businesses. You can look at it. But, but deeply, you know, I want you to be looking spiritually. That's my role is what excuses have you been making? And the second one is this. What area of your life have you been living by fear and scarcity instead of faith? You say, well, why are you wanting us to write that down? Why are you trying to say Because when you write it down, you've had to think about it. There's power in writing something down. And I'm just telling you right now, if you'll discover these two things, you will have a road map overcoming stuff in your life. Because my goal is for you to be encouraged, to be strengthened, and be a full vessel for God, full of His Spirit. Because here's the reality, is through the week you're going to slosh. Y'all know what sloshing is? We're all from the, well, some of y'all ain't from the South, but anyway, you know what sloshing is? It's when, when, you know, I'm a slosher It's like uh, Tawana has learned when she brings me coffee in the morning, she never fills the cup full. You know why? I'm a slosher. She laughs. I can't walk from this side of the platform to that side of the platform with coffee in my hand without it going everywhere. And here's what I want you to see. I want you to be so full. I want you to be so full of the Spirit that you're a spiritual slosher. That everywhere you go, you're you're accidentally getting it on people. Have you ever been that person, you know, you're greeting somebody and everything, you got a cup of coffee in your hand, they come up and they hug you like that, and it's like, oh, it's so good to see you. Or they grab your hand like that. It's I preach a lot of sermons with a big black, uh, brown stain down my shirt because somebody sloshed. But that's my prayer for you today, is that this week you'll slosh that you're so full of his anointing, so full of your calling, so ready and so lacking in excuses that the people you come in contact can't help but be drawn to the glory of God, not in, not about you, but through you, because we have a community around us that needs Jesus. Listen, our kids are being attacked in greater measure than ever before. What are you going to do about it? It's getting less and less popular to say, I choose Jesus, and that's my biblical truth. That's my worldview. What are you going to do when you're confronted with that? Will you make an excuse? See, that's why these questions are so important. So, my challenge be full. Be full. And confront the excuses that are keeping you from moving forward in your life. Just in writing this message, I've had to confront quite a few of my own. I had to actually break out some things, some stuff that God called me and and spoke to my heart to do. But I never did because I said, but that's not who I am. I don't do that. Can I tell you this? Who are we to tell God what he created us for? So my challenge dig in and let god use you would you bow your head and close your eyes across the room today father we thank you for your word it never returns void and god i thank you for your presence here today as you <clears throat> as you are amping things up spiritually And Lord, I ask this, that before we leave this place today, that the chains of excuses, the chains of pride, fear, and that scarcity mindset would be broken off of us. Lord, it says your anointing is what breaks that bondage. So we ask, Father, that as those chains break off of us, that we don't pick them back up, that we walk free. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here today, and I'm gonna ask this question again. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I've been through this service and here I am at the end and I feel like I need to make a decision for Christ. You say, well, Pastor, we did some of this already. That's okay. They don't have to raise their hand. This is, this is if God's moved on you and you made a decision here. You say, Pastor, that's me. I just wanna give you that opportunity, whether you're here or whether you're online. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. Thank you, thank you, yeah. Amen, just keep them up a little bit longer I'm almost there Thank you, thank you Yeah. Thank you Amen, you can place them back down Now I'm going to ask you in this room Would you stand to your feet wherever you are I'm going to ask our altar workers and our pastors That are available to join me in the front To receive people Today, when we close I want you to know We'll stay here as long as we need to We want to pray for you you say, Pastor, I, I need an infilling. <laughs> I need a touch of the Holy Spirit. Whatever that is, you say, Pastor, I haven't had enough yet. That's what this altar's for. We'll stay as long as we need to to minister to you. If you're sick in body and you need a touch from God, we're here. Whatever your need is, we want you to know we care and we serve a God who'll take care of it. But here's what I want to do. I just want to pray for you. And then I want to open these altars. This is important. Now, you raise your hand and said, Pastor, pray for me. As a lot of y'all raise your hand, you're gonna make me work a lot this week. It's Thanksgiving week. You're supposed to give me a couple days off. But we're gonna pray, and we're believing. And I'm telling you, I believe if some of you do exactly what I told you, that homework, and you're praying about that, and you're doing what I directed you to, I'm telling you, there's a freedom coming, and there's a power coming that you can't even imagine. So don't get distracted. Do it. And you watch what God will do. So, Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person that's listening, that's watching. I thank you, God, so much for the people that are in this room today. And Lord, we first give you thanks for the presence that you've shared in this house, that you've sat down here and and we've seen lives changed. And Father, I pray this, That when we leave this time, that God, it doesn't just stop here. We take it with us. That we walk into our week, anointed, freshly, that we'll speak the words of life to the people around us. That you would guard our tongues. That you'd guard our hearts. And Father, I pray this, that your favor would go before every single person prepare a way God and I love it as the prophet prayed God that as they step out into this week that you would widen the path beneath them that they might not stumble Lord thank you today I ask this finally that they would walk with your joy upon their lips that thanksgiving would be their song and that salvation would be their response And Father, I thank you. And today, I call them blessed. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Can you give the Lord some praise this morning?